0: Thanks for tuning in to the ISEF podcast. This episode's main sponsor is Study Perth, your guide to studying, working and living in Perth, Western Australia. Our Keys to the Market sponsor this month is Education New Zealand, Manipol Ki
1: What we know is that students that are considering international education are always going to choose the country first. So it's really important that your messaging is focused on what these student's experience will be when they're studying in your country or region. For example, in our most recent campaign, we highlighted the diversity of experience through our students from different countries and cultures. And while each had a unique experience, the environment and process that they move through always remains constant
0: this and more in this new episode of the ICEF podcast, your monthly review for education professionals in the international student recruitment industry. Be sure to subscribe via your favorite podcast player and join us for a new episode available every month.
2: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the ISAF podcast. My name is Martijn van der Veen. And let me start by saying that it's really fantastic to see how the number of listeners just keeps growing month after month from all corners of the world ever since we started this podcast series for international education professionals three years ago in the early days of the pandemic. So thank you very much for listening. And trust me, we have another full and very interesting episode for you in our usual structure of news and developments, main topic and to the market. In news and developments this month we'll look at some outbound and inbound trends in Africa and we'll discuss an important update from the US Department of Education about their new oversight rules. Our main topic this month was recorded live at ISAF Anza in Perth, Australia, with destination marketing specialists explaining the important or even vital role that overseas education agencies play in successful promotion of any city or region as an attractive study destination. And in our Keys to the Market section this month, the focus is on Aotearoa, New Zealand.
0: Coming up, the main topic of discussion for this episode. But first, as in each month, we kick off with a look at some recent news and developments in the international student recruitment industry.
2: Joining me, as always, is Craig Riggs, Editor-in-Chief of ISAF Monitor. Craig, three years already of the ISAF podcast. Crazy how time flies, isn't
3: it? <laughs> we're, we're reminded of that all the time, it seems. But yes, it is. Time goes fast, especially when you're making a podcast.
2: Especially when you're making a podcast, and especially in this industry where so much is happening. Well, a lot can happen indeed in in three years, Craig, uh, which is definitely the case for Africa, where we notice that countries like South Africa, Egypt, and Morocco are increasingly popular not just as student source markets but also as a study destination.
3: Absolutely so. I mean it's Africa is not a secret by any stretch, but it is a marketplace if we could I mean it's it's a mistake to frame Africa as any kind of homogeneous market obviously, but it's but just thinking about the region, it's a region that is counting for more and more outbound student mobility. It's ever more on the radar of student recruiters around the world. And all of the demographic trends are pointing us to the fact that that Africa is going to account for a larger and larger share of the global population as we move through this century. And increasingly, uh, not surprisingly perhaps, uh, an increasing share of the world's college aged population as well. And so it's very much on the radar uh, for the international education community. And we're seeing a lot more linkages and and, and work being done uh, across the continent as a result. As you point out, These markets are not only important sending markets, but also uh, destinations in their own right. You know, this is part of the story of Africa is that there's a lot of movement within the continent from country to country. Certainly, increasing numbers of students are leaving Africa to study further afield. But then there's historically, there have always been large numbers of students moving to neighboring countries. And frankly, they're not always very well counted. And so it's whenever we have an opportunity to look more closely at that, we we take it. Because I think it's part of, of mobility, uh, a part of student mobility that we tend not to understand as well as we should.
2: Definitely interesting to look at it a bit more because I can imagine that there is an increase in the quality of local institutions, combined, of course, with the relatively low tuition fees and cost of living, very relevant in today's day and age, uh, the increase in awareness by the respective governments of the value of international students for their local economies, but also the rise of foreign branch campuses. Is that a good summary? Am I missing anything?
3: You're not missing anything at all. I think that's exactly the case. I mean, it's, it's true that there are, you know, in, in terms of, Higher education institutions of of more notable quality, uh, they tend to be somewhat concentrated. Like some of the higher ranked institutions in Africa are found in, in South Africa, and that explains why South Africa has has all has long been an important hub for higher education in the on the continent, uh, especially for students coming out of sub Saharan African uh, countries. But yeah, we are seeing more. You know, obviously efforts to improve and expand higher education systems across the continent, part of that, and, and Egypt is a great example of this, part of the answer that governments are pursuing there is an expansion of branch campus activity. And, and just uh, we've been reporting recently that there, there are a number of new foreign branch campuses that are being established in Egypt, uh, you know, this year and next. So it's a it's definitely becoming part of the story that is is further fueling that that student mobility within the continent.
2: Wonderful. Well, on to some important news from the other side of the Atlantic, North America, where the United States Department of Education has now clarified that the new oversight rules will not apply to study abroad or international student recruitment contracts. Greg, can you briefly explain these new oversight rules and how they relate or not to U.S.-focused international student recruitment?
3: Yeah, absolutely. It'll be a challenge to do it briefly, but really, really briefly. The Department of Education created a certain amount of confusion in February with an advisory letter that it sent around to US institutions, essentially indicating that the department would expand its oversight of higher education institutions in the US to include uh, a wide range of, of relationships that they have with third party service providers. And it was not very clearly defined in that initial guidance really what the department was interested in and what measures it it was prepared to take. It seemed that it was targeting in particular online program managers or OPMs, um, service providers that assist U.S. colleges and universities in bringing their programs online. But there was concern right away at the time that the department's oversight might extend to other types of relationships, including partnerships that institutions might have with study abroad program organizers and international recruitment agencies. So what you're referring to is that we've reported most recently that the department has clarified its position to say that while these new rules are still taking shape, it does not intend for them to cover study abroad program providers or recruitment agencies. And so that's an important bit of clarity for our readers, certainly, and listeners. What it points us to is that the policymaking environment that relates to international education in the U.S. is somewhat murky. It's not always clear when policy is being developed in the U.S. that international education has been properly taken account of. And it's not always clear whose response to international education is, who is the policy lead in, in this area. The U.S. is the only major study destination in the world that does not have a national strategy for international education in place. And I think, frankly, the lack of that kind of policy framework opens the door to some of the confusion like we've seen recently around this Department of Education guidance. So it's sometimes you'll see these policy announcements come out, and it's concerning to people in the international education community because it's unclear how it will relate to the work that, that we're all doing. This is perhaps the latest example of a longer pattern of of such confusing policy announcements that we've observed in the US over the last few years.
2: Well, I'm glad that the confusion is now clarified. and I can imagine many signs of relief in our industry now that these oversight rules officially do not apply to the recruitment of international students to US schools and institutions.
0: Coming up, the main topic of this month, study destination promotion, the vital role of education agencies. But first, here is a brief message from our main sponsor, Study Perth.
4: Hi, folks. I'm David Templeman, the Minister for International Education here in sunny and friendly Perth, Western Australia. I would like to extend a warm invitation to you Western Australia is a great place to live, study and work, and there are so many employment, social and cultural opportunities. WA is the powerhouse of our nation's trade, and international education is one of the most important sectors that our government is focused on. Western Australia is the ideal destination to meet people, connect and experience some of the amazing things we have on offer. Western Australia is home to magnificent landscapes, global industries, leading education institutes, and some of the world's brightest minds. We look forward to welcoming you to Western Australia.
0: And now for the main topic of this month, study destination promotion, the vital role of education agencies.
2: Successful study destination promotions typically stem from a concerted effort of various local stakeholders, such as local schools and institutions, local government bodies, destination marketing organizations, local accommodation providers or even local businesses. Most effective, however, are those study destination promotion initiatives that include and involve overseas education agencies. Examples can be found especially in Australia and New Zealand, where organizations like Study Perth, Study Adelaide study northern territory and education new zealand malapō Kiteau are very active and successful in place branding towards prospective international students in this main topic representatives from some of these study destination organizations will share their insights on how they are organized and funded their partnerships with institutions and other local stakeholders, on their successful collaborations with relevant overseas education agencies to ensure maximum exposure for their respective destinations, and, I hope and expect, on some insights or statistics on the results of their efforts and campaigns. Now, this episode is recorded in Perth, Australia, this year's host city of ISEF ANZA, the main event for Australia New Zealand-focused international education professionals. and I'm very pleased to have, live here with me in the same room, Fiona Brazier, Destination Marketing Manager at Study Perth, and I hope I pronounced that correctly. Mm-hmm. Larnie Batten, Director at Study Northern Territory, and Janine Huxford, Manager, Global Events and Agents at Education New Zealand, Ao. I love saying that. Uh, welcome Fiona, Larney and Janine. I know you all have very busy meeting schedules here at ISAF ANZA, so I do appreciate you making the time for this podcast. Could you please provide me with a brief introduction and especially highlight your background and study destination promotion? And Fiona, may I start with you?
5: So I'm relatively new to the international education sector. I have over 30 years of marketing experience, but in the short time, the eight months that I have been in the international sector, I've found it a fantastic, challenging, exciting sector to be working in. It's very diverse. We have a number of stakeholders. We have lots of target markets, of which agents are a very important part of our portfolio. And um, I've really enjoyed time I've had so far with Study Perth, and I look forward to working further with them in the future.
2: Wonderful, challenging, and exciting. Don't think that's a great combination to have, your. It is. Thanks again for joining the podcast, Larnie.
6: I am Larnie Batten, the director of Study NT. I joined Study Northern Territory in 2017, but recently uh, joined the team again uh, in 2021. Uh, during COVID as the director. So uh, we're quite a small team in the Northern Territory government. And yes, it is very challenging and exciting uh, in this space. And I love what I do.
2: Great. That's great to hear that you love that you do. And we look forward to hearing more about that as well. And Janine.
1: Kia ora koutou. Ko Janine Huxford tuku mo Kitao. I am Janine Huxford. We're from Education New Zealand, Manapoe And I joined ENZ, as it's otherwise known, in 2019. As the global events manager. I am very new to the agent space and just took over that portfolio in December late last year and I'm just going to jump in here and let you all know that we've got some good news from New Zealand. Our numbers of students returning to New Zealand are on the up. Yeah we're back in the game people, we're
2: open. (laughs) I'm glad to hear you're so excited about that number because of course international students are very important for your respective Destination. So maybe let's start with that, uh, Larnie. Can you describe the, the relevance of international students for your destination, for Northern Territory?
6: Yeah, so we have about 4,000 international students enrolled in the Northern Territory. We've got 23 education and training providers. And not only, of course, do international students assist our economy and we're a smaller destination, but they contribute socially, culturally. They're really part of the fabric in the Northern Territory We're such a multicultural destination. You know, I think one third of households in the Northern Territory speak a language other than English. So international students just come, they really integrate well into the community and they just assist with the vibrancy of that community, the different multicultural festivals, the foods, the culture, it's just amazing. We love them in the Northern Territory.
2: Excellent. So that makes Northern Territory, of course, very appealing and attractive to international students. But how important are they as uh, your new inhabitants, your your future inhabitants?
6: Very important to our workforce, to our institutions, of course, who are providing high quality education to those students. Similar to, I guess, most of Australia, we've seen a bit of a workforce shortage over the last couple of years, thanks COVID. So of course, international students are really important in building our sector. They also come often with skills from their home countries, which is really important to those sectors and the knowledge that they're sharing with our communities and our businesses.
2: So, Fiona, everything that uh, Larnie just said, I guess you can resonate with that. Is there anything you would add to how important, to to the different um, factors of what what makes students so important for your destination?
5: I I think what Larnie has said is very pertinent to, to study Perth as well and to Western Australia. International students really help bring our multiculturalism and our vibrancy to our cities. Their culture, their cuisine and the events that they can bring and share with our community just makes our community become a bigger multicultural space to to live in and um, their support to our economy and the job sectors across Western Australia is really important. We have jobs for them where they're here to to study, there are jobs that they can do to support themselves while they're studying and then we have a large uh, number of careers that they can then move into once they have finished their education. So... We hope that they either take their education and continue working within Western Australia or take their learnings and then help take those skills back to their own countries. And in the future we hope to have a partnership with them when they move back to their home countries in their skills that they have acquired from us and and go into their careers.
2: So, Fiona, of course the, uh, the relationship remains with the international students that come to your destination, even when they go back to their own countries. They'll come back to visit because they've spent some of their most important years in their lives in your city, in your country. They'll come back with their friends, their families. It's the place where they've lived for a while. And of course, they contribute with their culture and cuisine, as you say rightly. Um, I'm sure also many destinations, Jeanine, around the world will agree with everything that you are saying here, that uh, it's very important and relevant for any destination to attract young talent for various reasons, as, uh, as laid out here in front of us. Now, you guys seem to be very active and involved as organisations that uh, combine all the different stakeholders to promote your cities and your countries. Can you tell us a little bit about how you are organised? What's the structure of that organisation? Who are these stakeholders that are a part of, in your case, Education New Zealand, Manapō, Kiteāu? Mm. Is that correct? Yeah? That is correct.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. I guess. I do just want to riff off a couple of things that uh, Fiona and Lani just mentioned. There's not a lot more I can add. It's very similar in New Zealand, as you say. And what's really important to us is something that Fiona touched on, and it's around that sustainability piece, so that when the students actually actually leaving New Zealand, they aren't leaving New Zealand behind. They're actually taking a piece of that with them, so that when they leave, they are still talking about the country there for years to come. So we take a really sustainable approach in anything that we try and, I guess, share with the students when they're in country. And I think that's what you're talking about as well, Fiona. If we look at the stakeholders that we work with, we are quite active across the government agencies. So for those of you that are in the room at ANZA 2023 in Perth, you'll notice that immigration are with Education New Zealand. So we work really closely with those government agencies It's really important that we are all on the same page and there are a number of government agencies that we work alongside to ensure that we are delivering on brand, shall we say, which is Aotearoa New Zealand.
2: Wonderful. Um, Government agencies very involved. I'd like to also talk about the other agencies in a minute, but uh, Larnie, I think that it's important to also understand for our audience, how is such an initiative, in your case study Northern Territory, funded? Is it funded by the members? Are the stakeholders the members? Is it government funded? Is the combination? Can you help us understand yeah. this a little bit better?
6: Yeah, of course. So I think you'll find in Australia, most of the study bodies are structured slightly differently. Uh, the Study Northern Territory sits within the Northern Territory Government Department of Industry, Tourism and Trade. We work with all 23 education and training providers in the Northern Territory. Uh, we're not membership based. We work equally with all of our education and training providers. So we're funded through the government. We're report to our Tourism NT Board as well as our Minister for
2: International Education. Excellent. How's that for you Fiona?
5: So we are slightly different. So we um, have an independent peak body uh, with our own board. We are part funded by the state government and part funded by our member subscription base. So we have over 38 members in the WA education sector that are all from the CRICOS register. Our key to success is our strong relationships and our ability to connect government, businesses and our member base.
2: Man, your member base is 38 members. Who are these members?
5: Our members are a cross-section of all of the education providers within the international education sector. These can range from our five universities to our pathway provider colleges to our ELICOS or English language uh, providers and also our school community.
2: Right. Now, the group I miss here, but maybe they're not your members, but I do uh, assume that these are important partners for your successful promotion of your study destinations, are the, not only the government agencies, but the student recruitment agencies. How involved are you with the agencies to be successful in your strategies?
5: Yes, so since uh, COVID, we have changed our strategy slightly and uh, agents have become one of our core target markets. So while we focus on our prospective students... We also have an independent strategic direction to uh, target and to build relationships and provide educational support for our agents so that they are fully equipped to be able to be out there as our soldiers promoting uh, Destination WA as the preferred international destination for study. Are these agencies your business partner, your strategic partner? Or can they be a member? The they can business? be all three. Oh. So um, we do have agents that are members within our body. We do work them, with them strategically in cooperative campaign work. So they, can yeah. yeah. they can be all three.
2: They can be all three. Okay. How is that for Education New Zealand?
1: Yeah, thanks, Martine. Um We recognize that the, that channel is extremely important for New Zealand around 70% of our students that come to New Zealand have an interaction with an agent. So alongside our other par- partner government agencies, for example immigration, we commit significant time, energy and effort to the agent channel. We believe this is part of the picture that has seen
2: those students returning to New Zealand. So as we agree on that important role uh, of these student groomed agencies, how, Larnie, do you work together with them? What do you do for them, with them? to make this partnership successful.
6: Look, Study Northern Territory is similarly really committed to working with our agent partners because they are so important. And so many students are coming through to study destinations through an agent. So it's really important that they're informed uh, and informed correctly about their destination. So Study Northern Territory run an agent training course online where agents can jump in all for free, do a couple of modules and really learn about studying, living and working in the Northern Territory. We also have a free agent toolkit that's available on our website so agents can jump online, download download resources in language um, for students, so social media tiles, video clips, student journey stories, scholarship information, all the things that they need to inform the students about the Northern Territory. Again, we also run familiarisation trips because I think it's really important that they experience the destination firsthand. And so we're really committed to bringing agents often to the Northern Territory, introducing them to our education and training providers if they don't already have a relationship with them, but showing them around, showing them where students live, where they work, um, who they interact with, how safe, welcoming and multicultural the Northern Territory is.
2: And what other tools do each of you provide to these agencies? I hear familiarization trips, but I'm also thinking like a a landing page or even a dedicated website, ongoing communications with updates about your destinations. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing a few here, Fiona. What, What other tools do you have for agencies to keep up to speed on the appeal of your destination?
5: I think you've covered most of them. We're just about to build a dedicated portal for our agents so that we have a one-stop shop for them where they can get all of the support material, they can interact with us, ask for more information, and they can then take those tools and then use them out into the faces. So those would be the things that you've just talked about, testimonials, they would be presentations that they can use, pieces of collateral merchandise pieces, fun facts that are easy to be able to spread throughout their conversations with their students. These are the types of tools that we provide for our agents to be able to use.
2: Great, same question for Larnie and uh, Janine. So really similar
1: to what Larnie was talking to earlier, and Fiona, um, at Education New Zealand Manapokitao, we have online digital resources for our agents. It's a really simple process. But with one click, you sign up to what we call My ENZ. And that gives you almost like a single source of truth. It's one logon, and from that logon, you can access what we call Agent Lab, Brand Lab. Agent Lab is obviously everything for agents. You can find everything there. Brand Lab is where you access all of our digital assets, so high-res photographs, high-res videos, and and the like. There are other... um, Digital resources that you can access. There's also a page called IntelliLab and that provides the agents with market intelligence. So there are a number of other online resources. It's all in there just at one click, My ENZ, and you can access that through our public-facing website,
2: enz.govt.nz. A wealth of information for agencies to tap into. So you're building a strong relationship, you provide them with data, statistics, uh, and your charm, and uh, the appeal of your country. What else does Northern Territory do for these agencies, or is it all very similar?
6: It's really similar in the Northern Territory. We've got dedicated web pages on our website for agents. We have agent newsletters, so that we stay in constant communication with those agents. They are really key to recruiting students. So we want to make sure, like has been said, that they are getting the best information and and the most correct information about our destinations.
2: Right, thank you. A lot of cities, regions or countries around the world are also very active in promoting their destination to the international student, right? You see marketing campaigns, you see online campaigns, SEO, Google, and um, what have you. Many of those, however, do not directly work with agencies as they feel that's the role of the education institution. What would your advice be to any study destination, marketing organization, if that's what I can call you, if they're not yet or not at all working with agencies?
1: Yeah, that's a really great question actually, Martine. I guess what we know is that students that are considering international education are always going to choose the country first. So it's really important that your messaging is focused on what these students' experience will be when they're studying in your country or region. For example, in our most recent campaign, we highlighted the diversity of experience through our students from different countries and cultures. And while each had a unique experience, the environment and process that they move through always remains constant. So I guess that would be my one piece of advice.
2: Anything to add to that, Larnie?
6: No, I think you've covered it really well. And I think agents are, as we've said, a really important tool. And if you're not using that, you're missing out on a big section of students that wouldn't find your destination otherwise. So if you're not talking to agents, you definitely should be.
2: Wonderful. Fiona, I can imagine that certain education institutions, especially in in the major study destination, who have their own relationship with student recruitment agencies, wouldn't be that much in favour in cooperating with their competing institution within their city, because it would probably mean access for that study destination promotion organisation to agencies that maybe that institution would like to keep to themselves. So they would probably opt not to cooperate. However, I would say that's a missed opportunity. Together you're stronger, and every student in the end will then still make their own choice in terms of the right school or institution for them. You should be open and transparent about what's open for the, and available for the students in the destination. How would you look at that?
5: Yeah. Well, we're very lucky in WA because we always talk about ourselves as Team WA, so our members always unite with us. Um, we have an agreement that the role for Study Perth is about promoting the destination. We're not into the conversion area. We're in the awareness and consideration sector of the journey for a student. So we are first and foremost going to talk about the destination and all of the things that we've just talked about that's important for when a student is thinking about which country to come come to. It's then up to our individual members to then talk and promote their particular institution and the relevance that that is for a particular student. So we always approach it that we look for times when we can all come together and we can integrate and we can have some cross-promotion of WA as a state and a destination and then we give the ability for the members to then promote themselves individually. So we're in the marketplace as a team and and we, and we step out as a team. But when it comes to the conversion area, the members have their space to be able to talk independently with an agent and or individual student to be able to promote their wares.
2: It does indeed make a lot of sense for institutions to cooperate because a very important, maybe the important element of that promotion is where is the institution based? How welcoming is that destination? So if you have multiple institutions promoting that same destination, You can expect that by joining forces, that promotion will be much stronger, as you are doing. And from there, the student can then make that decision based on the programs, the culture of the school, the size of the school, and many other elements that are there. How is that for Northern Territory? How did you manage, um, Larnie, to make them all come together and cooperate? Was that difficult or was it a natural come together?
6: I think really similar to Perth. We are destination first, we are the Northern Territory first. Our education providers, we work with all of them to promote the destination. And I think because we are a bit smaller than some of our bigger cities in Australia, it's really important that we get that destination awareness out there. A lot of people may not have heard of the Northern Territory or sometimes they even think we're in Canada. So it's really important for all of our education and training providers to focus on, and, and you know, it's what we do, is the destination. So it's the Northern Territory, and then it's you know when we're hosting for meals, we take them to those providers. And as you've said, students will pick the best college, university, education, school for them.
2: Interesting. Mm. A last question for each of you. What is the biggest learning curve you've had whilst working for your respective organisations, and who wants to go first?
5: I think mine is collaboration and connection. I think that's the positivity that we can provide um, as Study Perth to the sector and to our members to be able to connect not only the government but the businesses, plus our agents and our students with our members. That's the thing that I'm proud of, and I think that we do well and is part of our success in our state in bringing back the international students post COVID.
2: Connectivity and cooperation. Jenny, what would you add to that? What was your biggest learning curve?
5: My head is rushing.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: so many learning curves.
1: Yeah, I guess. You know, international education is a new space for me. Pre-education New Zealand, Manapur Kitao, I owned an experiential marketing company, which is what you saw, Martine with my presentation the other day. Yeah, yeah, which is um, very good. That drama side. I guess my biggest learning curve is international education in itself. It's a beast of a product. Uh, I never quite realised how complex international education was. There are so many different channels, so many different facets, and again what you are both talking about, Fiona and Lani, with your um, institutions. There are so many institutions, so many sectors. Each sector is quite specific to how they work. So it's a massive programme,
2: I guess, international education. That drama side must make a few uh, listeners quite curious about what that is. Now, Janine gave a wonderful presentation about New Zealand, including uh, New Zealand chocolate, three different flavors, including New Zealand Maori music. She even managed to get the lights switched off and then slowly come back on again, and she grabbed the attention of the room. So, if you're interested in what that's like, you might want to join us next year at Eyes of Anza in Christchurch, but more about that. Later, Larnie, what was your biggest learning curve with study?
6: International education is, as you would all know, is a huge sector. There's lots of legislation, there's lots of stakeholders, so governments, agents, students are always at the forefront of what we do in Study Northern Territory as well. There's just all these moving parts constantly. And I think, you know, probably one of the more exciting things that we've done recently is when We, in the Department of Industry, Tourism and Trade, moved into the Tourism NT team, rebranded Study NT, so really shifted our focus to marketing the destination and getting that brand awareness out there.
2: Excellent. Now, I guess we can all agree that the cooperation and connectivity, also, as you said, Fiona, is so important. It involves, as we said at the beginning, the local stakeholders very much. Of course, all the schools and institutions who, at some point, want to uh, attract more international students, but also the local businesses, the local government, local accommodation providers, maybe even transportation companies. But I think it's very clear that the agencies play such an important role. So for any destination to be successful, that secret or not so secret element or ingredient is involving the overseas agencies. Thank you very much, Larnie, Janine, and Fiona. We hope to see you uh, again next year at ISAF Anza in Christchurch in April. And I wish you a pleasant remainder of the Eyes of Anza event here in Perth. Thank you.
0: Up next, Keys to the Market, where this month we discuss New Zealand. This section is sponsored by Education New Zealand, Manapal Ao.
7: Our world is changing. And our world needs new. Because new doesn't just think about the world's problems. It cares. New acts boldly to solve challenges, but never forgets the importance of people. It just opens my eyes to a much wider opportunities. New is prepared for today and ready to create tomorrow. I learned about identity, about myself. New welcomes open minds and different perspectives.
2: The thing that surprised me the most is the diversity of culture here.
7: New is progressive and never stops learning.
2: Qualifications in New Zealand are recognized worldwide.
7: New is the problem solvers, the go-getters, the innovators, the big thinkers. New is a New Zealand education, and new is what the world needs.
1: I'm thrilled to announce that Autotahi Christchurch will host the 2024 ISIF ANZA from the 22nd to the 24th of April. No mai, haere mai, see you there.
2: Craig, during the pandemic, New Zealand has had its borders closed longer than any other prominent study destination. But ever since they have opened again, we see a very active, government-supported education in New Zealand strategy being rolled out with what looks like a slightly adjusted focus. I notice, for example, from their presentations at ISAF ANZA and also from their overall education in New Zealand marketing, that their focus is very much on quality rather than quantity, on value over volume. So rather than purely looking at the numbers, New Zealand focuses more on the individual, on ensuring a good fit between the students and New Zealand, on cultural journey that they can expect during their time in the country, on the career opportunities post-graduation. What else can you tell us, Craig, about New Zealand's post-pandemic student recruitment initiatives and strategy?
3: Well, I think you've already hit on One of the most important characteristics of um, international education strategy in New Zealand. This is something of a case study in managing growth or in really controlling growth in terms of international enrollment. And New Zealand has set itself on that course in a much more deliberate way than has any other destination I can think of. That said, uh, you also point to the fact that the country's borders were closed to international students for an extended period during the pandemic. I mean, they only reopened. At the end of July last year, and that was, aside from China, that made New Zealand really the very last destination to reopen its borders to international students again. So, as you can imagine, in the intervening three years uh, during the COVID pandemic, the number of international students in New Zealand eroded very sharply. So even with its commitment to controlled growth, and as you say, to the emphasis that New Zealand places on the quality of the student experience, uh, as opposed to the number of international students in the country, it's fair to say that educators across New Zealand are very much concerned with rebuilding those international enrollments right now, when so far below pre-COVID levels.
2: So Craig, with that new uh, strategy being rolled out, do we have any indication, maybe it's a bit early to say, but uh, about the rebound of uh, student uh, numbers back to us, New Zealand?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely early, because again, because they only really reopened borders in the second half of last year. But one of the things that the New Zealand government has been doing in the months since is reporting quite regularly on the numbers of these student visa applications that they're receiving, the number of student visa applications that are processed, and those numbers suggest that indeed, you know, the students are returning to New Zealand this year. Obviously, it's not going to be a one-year process in terms of rebuilding that enrollment. But it looks from the figures that we're seeing like a very promising start. You know, through November, they were reporting uh, about uh, thirteen, fourteen thousand 14,000 student visa applications. You know, that's against a, a, a reduced base of about 15,000 student visa holders for New Zealand uh, at the point that the, the borders reopened in 22. So it's, you know, it, it's in, in percentage terms, that's a significant increase. And it's pointing us to the fact that, you know, people are ready to, to return to study in New Zealand. But obviously, it's going to take, you know, it's it's going to take more than this year to rebuild to that pre-pandemic base. Yeah, time is, of course, important here, but those look, numbers look promising,
2: I must say. The good thing is there's is a lot of information available for agencies uh, interested in sending their students to New Zealand. And those uh, that information can be found on studywithnewzealand.govt.nz, studywithnewzealand.govt.nz. And if you want to actually meet the schools, institutions, pathway providers, service providers uh, from New Zealand, all under one roof, then you don't want to miss ISAF ANZA 2024 in April in Otontahi, which is Maori for Christchurch. So join us in Christchurch next year and find more details and on and how to register simply by visiting isep.com slash Thank you very much, Craig. I will see you again next month. And thanks again, Janine, Fiona and Larnie for your valuable contributions. And thank you, our audience, for listening.
0: For more information about the topics we've discussed in this episode, please visit icefmonitor.com, And don't forget to share your feedback and questions with us directly via podcast at isef.com. This episode was sponsored by Study Perth and Education New Zealand.